in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost. And you guys missed a hell of a good conversation. (laughs) If that's any indication of what this show is going to be like, it should be a fun one. Uh, Yeah, we're in some trouble. We're in some trouble as I slide into my golden years. Uh, Yeah, uh, (laughs) I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get into it. If it comes up naturally, we'll talk about it. But if not, I have uh, no. It is what it is. It's ultimately, it's like, who gives a shit? Yeah, true, true. You know, just trying uh, to find, you know, I can't, uh, no, no, I'm going to lay off. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you all so much for downloading this uh, episode, if you're watching us live, on camera, rather. And uh, thank you so much for downloading us if you're listening to us on our uh, podcast feed. Uh, we appreciate it very much. And for those all, those of you who come on and become new patrons, I tell you what, Matt and I can't thank you enough. In this time when mm-hmm. so many people are worried about stuff, so worried about paying bills or whatever, and the fact you're choosing to support us in this way means so much to both yes. of us. Uh, and we, you know, kind of returned that by giving you shows every week and giving you patron shows every week. So if you've been on the fence about it, trust me, this is the time to come and become a patron. There's a lot of you get a lot of bang for your buck right now from the top 10 show. Uh, and we're cooking up other ideas. Yes. Different things like uh, maybe substitute in a new show. Try that. Give that a whirl. Um, I have one that I'll pitch to you when we're off. I forgot about Ooh. that. OK, cool. Uh, so, yeah, could be fun. I, I don't know. I like it. We shall see. <laughs> well, certainly half of us is already on board. So the other half just well, needs no, to jump on board. We're good to go. I think between the two of us, it's not, I don't know if it's fully formed. Oh, okay. But I think aspects of it, you go, yes, yes, yes. All the ones that I'm jazzed about. And then right. you're out the, the, the rest of it, but the skeletons, yeah. it's a structure. Now we just got to pick the accoutrement that we want to, uh, to make a little bit better here. You know, we want, Wayne Scotting, do we want? Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, we're kind of uh, moving away from a certain show. I don't know if we can say it by name, but we're kind of moving away from one of the patron shows. We want to change it to something else because um, we feel like it's run its course. Uh, so we will, uh, at that point, address it when we're ready to announce the new show that takes its place. But uh, that'll be the reason behind it uh, while we're doing yeah. it. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, other yeah, than that, though. Hmm? Um. Yeah, I was going to add another thing, but it was pointless. So uh, <laughs> we can move on. What's new with you? Anything? Um. Uh, well, I just uh, interviewed Brian Cox, which was really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. How long did you get to talk to him? Half an hour, man. He's up in. Dude, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, I was like stoked because. Uh, this PR person that I kept a relationship with after I got let go from Collider and a number of publicists I've been talking to as I build this thing back up. Um, it's, it's been interesting and fun. And this guy, uh, he sent an email to me and said, Hey, this movie's coming out. Brian Cox is in it. Samara weaving all these people. And I was like, this is great. I'll totally promote it. If you, yeah. if you have any of the actors that are available and I'd love it if uh, Samara weaving who I've already interviewed, when I was at Collider for Ready or Not, or Brian Cox, who I've been such a fan of for many years. Yeah, it was, for the fences. 
yeah. And he's like, let me see what I can do. And sure enough, they came back and goes, you know what, Brian, uh, they said 15 minutes. And I said, oh, you know, the deep cuts use an hour. How much can we really get? And they said, and he comes back and says, okay, it looks like Brian can do 30. I'm like, okay, great. So we'll do 30. But then the morning of, they said, well, it looks like he's running behind. You're only going to get 15 minutes. I'm like, son of a bitch. So what are you going to do? Yeah. I send in the link. He can't figure out StreamYard. He cannot figure it out because it's just him. It's just sitting in him in his uh, farmhouse in Brooklyn, uh, way out in the hills of Brooklyn somewhere. Because um, I didn't know Brooklyn has like a farm, like a, a, a place outside of the actual city of Brooklyn. He's like a yeah. little farther out. So anyways, there. And so he can't figure out. So the publicist comes back on with me because he's in the stream yard with me. Uh, and he says, you know what? Brian can't figure it out. Can you do a Zoom link? And then by the time I created the Zoom meeting, he had moved on to the next interview. So uh, that publicist got back to me. He's like, hey, uh, we're going to tack you on at the end. And let's just say I'm going to forget that we only said 15 minutes. And I said, dude, thank you. Yeah, great. Yep. Tacked him on at the end and uh, end of his like around 12, 12, 15. And then we had 35 minutes just talking about that movie for like 10 and then talked about his career and his interests uh, as an actor and uh, all the stuff he's done and succession. Uh, and then talked a little bit about um, uh, his political points of views as well. Cause dude, he's not quiet about his politics. So he had no problem bringing it up and talking about it. So yeah. it was a fun conversation overall, but it was weird Matt because like, He's an older dude, so you don't know when the sentence is done. It feels like it's done, and then he'll start talking. You're like, oh, shit, I'm talking over him. It was, that was a little bit frustrating, but, you know, it's that's the game right now. See, see to me, like, it's one of those – He, I think he would be fun to be friends with because eventually he's the oh. type of friend, he, at least on the outside. Uh, if I just point blank, I called him an asshole, and he just kind of chuckle and be like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yep. <laughs> I've got friends like that. It's just like they have a gruff exterior, but yeah. you know you're it's fine. I, I there's two guys I'm friends with that just look incredibly intimidating, incredibly oh. intimidating, right? And through no fault of their own, and they're of course both insanely uh, nice guys, right? But we each had just instantly we liked each other. Like one of those dudes showed me his balls the first night I met him, and it was it wasn't weird. <laughs> well, he has tattoos all over his body. And then eventually, because I was asking him, like, what do you regret? What's the worst? Right. Do you like, you know, because I don't have any. And then he was like, well, and he's like, I got a tattoo on my balls. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, two X's. Or no, it was triple X. Triple X. And and I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, hold on. And we're out in front of uh, the comedy store. And he pulls his balls out and shows me, like, flashes me in the light. I'm like, look at that. Oh my god! Like 30, Thirty minutes at that point. I mean, I had known him for a little while, but I, you know, not yeah. too long, so to speak. Uh, Jesus, wow. Yeah, but here's my balls. Rough exterior, but that's eventually he'd just be like, "Ah, you fucking you pussy," and be like, yeah. "Oh, you know, just one of those types of." Yeah, I think guys build that up to like for defense mechanisms, or I mean, there are some there are some crazy assholes who are built crazy and built strong, whatever. But like most of the time, it's just a protection situation. Like I don't want to be fucked with, so if I if I stay this size, people stay away from me. You know what I'm saying? And so they they keep it chill. Um, but yeah, he was dude, he was totally chill sitting in the sitting on his farm, just having a conversation because he's got like little sunglasses on and shit, and he'd torn his meniscus apparently working out. Uh, cause he's got a trainer. His wife made him get a trainer cause his wife said, you need to lose weight. 
And he's like, okay, you know, she was right. And I started doing it and he goes, and I tore my meniscus in my right knee. So I have to just kind of keep it stretched out the whole time. Oh yeah. What's the update with you? Did you find out what happened with you? I go to the doctor tomorrow. Okay. Now is that virtual or are you actually going to the doctor? We've already done a phone call. So I have to go to the doctor. Wow. Okay. And then more than likely it's going to be, uh, if depending on what it is, an MRI. Right. And then after the MRI, if it's bad, there would be surgery. Otherwise, what? like most potentially, I don't, I don't think I have to do that. Wow. I don't think it's that bad. Wow. It, the symptoms of what it could be. It's just like, okay. So it seems like I tore it a decent amount, but not, you know, catastrophically. Right. right. It's just taken a while to bounce back and more than likely he's going to tell me exactly what I've already started doing. Uh, well, it just eventually you're like, you know, what are the protocols? What should I be doing if right. I think that's what this is? And I started doing those right. and slowly a little bit better, more consistently since then. Oh, that's good. I'm yeah. happy to see a doctor because maybe that's only going to, that's not 100% of what, you know, he can give me something else. Yeah, that's true. Go in, mask. Uh, I was thinking about, like what exactly I'm going to wear because I need to shred that as soon as I get home. Yeah. <laughs> I might disrobe on my front porch and then just run inside and take a shower. I'm not even kidding. Uh, it's true. It's true. You never know. I've got a somewhat secluded porch. There's yeah. enough shrubbage that you know, shrubbery that I could get away with it as long as I stay in specific spots. I think people wouldn't care. I'll be honest with you. Who's looking all the way up there where you live uh, in that area? Like, I really think well, you'd be fine to do it. The neighbors to the left are pretty close, but there's. Oh tree and bamboo in a certain patch that blocks their view. Just pulling Austin powers and constantly moving like the tree. Branch. I just go out there and drink my coffee in the mornings. <laughs> the corner of the deck, looking out over Los Angeles and COVID times. <laughs> morning neighbor. Morning. <laughs> <sighs> it's a nice breeze today. I will tell you that, you know, it's not cold. It's like a nice, you know, breeze. Smells like rain. <laughs> All right, I'll see you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you see that? My knee's acting up. Barometric pressure's going up. Look at it. Can you see the swelling? Let me get closer and show you. <laughs> my my funky knee. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is triple X on my balls. Yeah, why do you ask? <laughs> exactly. I'm amazed you can see that from that. Are you eagle eyes? Do you get LASIK? Or is that just God-given? Good. You know, it's like you're in your 30s, so it's impressive it's not LASIK. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that's it. I mean, Lindley's been down in San Diego. This is, uh, she comes back as we're recording this. She comes back tomorrow. Finally, it's been two weeks. Uh, yeah. She was down there taking care of those dogs. So, you know, it's been fun to see her come back, uh, but she cut my hair again. So I think she did a way better job even the second time than she did the first time. So I was really happy about that. Uh, and then I built her an office chair. So that's the, those are the things we've been doing here, just ordering shit and building shit because she has, you know, she's setting up her photography studio there in the office. So mm-hmm. it's that kind of stuff. Uh, that's all. But I tell you, dude, I'm exhausted. I'm fucking exhausted. I, I'm starting to look at things and I'm starting like a, a wanting to turn down a little bit of the workload because um, I'm not even getting a chance to watch movies like I want to watch movies. And mm-hmm. so that's the thing that I kind of at the end of the day, I'm going to have to be a little bit selfish. Even with Lindley, I might have to be a little bit selfish and be like, oh, babe, you watch what you want to watch in the, in the living room. I'm going to watch uh, what I want to watch here in the extra room because I want to kind of, you know, I don't know. I just want to watch movies again. And I haven't been able to do that since. Yeah. Well, words of the wife, just I'm sure you already thought of this, but I wouldn't unleash that new edict until after she's been home a few days. Well, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Two weeks and you're like, you know what, babe, you watch whatever you want out there. 
I'm going to stay in here. Peace. <laughs> okay, well, why don't you just fucking sleep in that office? <laughs> and I will see you sometime tomorrow, I guess. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> Maybe I should have stayed in San Diego. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I got more love from those dogs, and I just met them, you son of a bitch. True. Very true. And there's just me outside in the window. John. <laughs> Nice breeze here in Beverly Hills, though. I will tell you that. Swing it away. Uh-huh. Swing it miss, Merle. Swing it Sprinklers, Sprinklers in the Napier's neighbor's yard just went off, so watch out, guys. It's wet up. <laughs> Be careful now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. That's basically been it, you know, building the channel up and then helping her build a photography thing. But it's been nice. It's been nice kind of chilling a little bit, but I am exhausted, so. Hopefully, the weekends are now legitimately. Saturdays legitimately fucking nothing, like nothing. I do nothing on Saturdays. I try to just lay around and just watch TV or watch old sports highlights. Are you getting this way too, man? Are you watching old? Sp- I'm I'm out, I'm I'm at the point now where I'll pop on the YouTube, get on the YouTube, and just start watching old sports highlights because I'm like I miss it so much that I I, I'm not trying to force the leagues to come back. I'm not one of those people, but I gotta feel that joy that I instinctively feel at this time prepping for sports, you know, or getting involved in sports or watching it, you know? A couple of days ago was the year since Kawhi did the oh, yeah. shot. Right. It's like, oh man, the playoffs don't do this to me. And, but I've, I've watched all kinds of, I already did anyway. And then after this ended, I took like a break. It's like, you know what? This is going to be a while. Um, yeah. So I pulled back and now I'm just flat out, jonesing for any kind of basketball whatsoever there's no even discussion that's what as you brought up um i think it was on the the uh game time mm. has didn't remember that uh uh son of a gun now i've lost the entire train of thought <laughs> there's old age for you right there what was i honestly previously just talking about sports uh watching a bunch of sports you were holding off but now you're like jonesing for it and you were talking about Last yeah. Dance, Chicago Bulls. Anything there? No? No, from the show. Okay. Holding off. Oh, the, the basketball now is a year-round sport, which it yeah, is. Yeah. With all the free agency talk and cap evaluations and what the projections of what teams are going to do or what they're going to draft. Yeah. Uh, and none of that. So it's a cessation of everything on yeah. that front. And the totality of it didn't really set in initially at first because you had no idea how long it was going to be gone for. And now it's still somewhat pie in the sky. It's getting closer, but I am not entirely sure. I think they can pull it off, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The proposals are insane. Uh, and then this weekend, as we're recording, um, the German league comes back. Like, so I'm going to. What is that, probably, Bundesliga? Yeah, the Bundesliga. Yeah, I might get up at like 6 or 7 a.m. just to watch any kind of soccer. Because, dude, I never, ever rewatch like the NFL replays of games because they show the whole game, the whole game. Okay. Um, but the last week flipping channels and I'm sitting at the couch, I will absolutely put on the NFL network and watch an hour of a game just to feel like what that, just to remember what that felt like, you know, and just sitting on a couch, just watching an hour of a game. And I'm just like, man, this is, Uh, I miss this. I really fucking miss this. You know, what, uh, uh, a Bundesliga, is there like a former East German team? And they still kind of have like some Soviet undertone. <laughs> no, they're not, not anymore. I might follow them. I will pick a team and start watching because it's the only sports. I know Bundesliga is good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if I can watch 
good sports. I will happily watch good sports. They have great names, you know, Werder Bremen, Wolfsburg. Ooh. Uh, what's the other one? Of course, there's Bayern Munich. And- pincer, like fucking, you know, pincer movements, and that's their name. Funsensagen. <laughs> oh, that sounds vicious. <laughs> it's a- uh, well, is it, yeah, got, no, like, who's the best team and who's the worst? You know? Well, usually it's Bayern Munich that's number one. Yeah, I've heard of uh, them. But I don't think they're number one this year. I think it's uh, – yeah, oh, no, they are number one. So then Borussia Dortmund is the one right behind them. But RB Leipzig uh, is in third place, and they are essentially the Red Bulls. That's what RB stands for is Red Bulls. Uh, then Borussia Mönchengladbach is in fourth place. Bayer Leverkusen. Isn't it? It's that's a mouthful. Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> What'd you say? Borussia Mönchengladbach. Mönchengladbach. Yeah. We're just hitting every hard consonant in one name. That's impressive. You will watch our football. Yeah. Um, Bayer Leverkusen, Schalke, Wolfsburg, Hoffenheim, uh, Cologne. Union Berlin, which I've never heard of, so they must have jumped up. Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf, uh, Werder Bremen, and uh, SC Paderborn. Um, and there's a couple of those, Mainz, uh, Cologne. Uh, but yeah, interesting stuff. So I'm I'm going to watch Saturday morning. I'm just going to get out of bed and uh, put on soccer just or football just to feel like it's, it's Liverpool time again. So. What time is it? Six thirty in the morning is the first game, I think. Uh, PT. Let me see here. Let me get on to Saturday. Yes, yeah, six thirty in the morning. Borussia Dortmund versus Schalke, and then uh, Dusseldorf versus Paderborn. Okay. Yeah, they're all at six thirty, and then there's a nine thirty a.m. game, which is Eintracht Frankfurt versus your team, Borussia Mönchengladbach. That's your team right there. I think that's officially. I don't know if that's my team yet. <laughs> It's a lot. Is that a lot? Well, I mean, look, Red Bulls. I'm already okay. okay. Red Bulls hat. Fair enough. Fair seems, enough. Seems like that. I I don't want it to be like uh, which team was that? Sheffield. Did oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out that uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Inter- Interpol would agree with uh, my assessment. <laughs> Potentially liking that team. So hopefully the Red Bulls have a less checkered journey pass, rather. I think so. Leipzig, RB Leipzig. They're in third place. They're only f- uh, five points off the leader, so it's a good one. It's a good time to jump in now. How many games left? Oh, good question. Let me see. They played twenty-five games. Uh, there's eighteen teams in the league, so I think there's nine games left because you'd have to play thirty-four games. Okay. Home and away. So yeah, there's nine games left. Yeah. Okay. Okay. With the with Liverpool, it's almost more frustrating because what it's thirty eight games, and we're at twenty nine games. So we also have nine games left. Yeah, a few games. It seems completely doable. Yeah, I just don't know how big a training staff is for uh, an elite club like that. Yeah, but I can't imagine it's any more. It's you know NBA ish, a little bit bigger, but it's not NFL or MLB. It's not that. Certainly not that. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, they, they're trying to they're trying to come back in June. The uh, Premier League, the Premier League, the English Premier League is trying to come back in June, but everyone's afraid about testing and getting the stuff. So I get it. I mean, I'm not trying to rush sports back. 
you know, but I'm filling the whole, I've started watching sports documentaries. Fuck dude. I'm like, I'm like a crack addict. I'm just like, or I don't know. What do you call this? I'm just like, what do you got? What do you got? Like I'm going to different apps on the Roku and, and just typing in sports doc and then seeing what comes up. And I go, Okay, that's cool. Like I was watching a random one about Manchester United and Leeds United in the, the FA Cup. Yeah, and I, the I king of fucking New York handball. I think <laughs> it. I'll watch it. I will watch it. Exactly. It was the 70s and this uh, this Puerto Rican like 19-year-old man, he crushed everybody. Everybody. Uh, I know uh, the announcement. Hollywood Bowl closed their season. There's no, no, right. no Hollywood Bowl this year. Summer season is done. Exactly. Yeah. Drew League is done. Right, right. Rucker's been closed for a while. Dude, it, are you going crazy? Like, I know I haven't played, but watching knees, last dance is no. Oh, okay. All oh, right, because your knees. Because died. I know I can't play anyway. So right. it's kind of a blessing in disguise on, on that level. Even if I have to have surgery, we're going to be in this predicament for another three months in L.A. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, that gives me time to recuperate. and then. But I think you can go out to courts again and shoot. Since can you? Oh, believe so. I might do that. I might go out to. Paint. I can do that. I just can't get, you know, right free throws and shoot jumpers and stuff. But I'm not going to be right. practicing. Anything. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would kill. I've thought about that. I wish. Um, I know a couple people with pools, and I was like, oh man, I wish I had a pool today. Oh yeah, because be, and it's going to get hotter and hotter here. And right. just thinking, oh, all my friends that do have pools in their backyard, and be like, you get to live it up. Yeah. For the couple months, just like hang out at the pool if you want to, because you can't go anywhere else. Right. Good point. Just lay around uh, those, those floatables. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. we've done about 20 minutes of banter. Let's get into the show. Today, we are doing the top 10 Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, Matt was Matt and I were looking for a topic, and I reached out to Matt, and I said, hey, well, they just redid Valley Girl, which Nicolas Cage was in, and Nicolas Cage just signed on to play the Tiger King Joe Exotic in this TV series, so it seems like, and the National Treasure Three is apparently in the works. So it seems like Nicolas Cage is bubbling back up into the surface again. So I asked him if we'd done top ten Nicolas Cage, and he said we hadn't. So that's our choice today: top ten Nicolas Cage films. Not that I can recall. Yeah, neither could I. I went through the titles, and I don't recall us doing it. So oh, I yeah, I didn't even. I was just like, there's no way we did a Nick Cage (laughs) before this, and I already know you have. It, probably three movies I don't. Oh, okay. Which of course means three. Have you have three movies I don't. So, yeah. Which he's got a number of movies where like that's fine. I was yeah. trying to get things that I know that I genuinely liked, but perhaps I don't watch them as often, and that'll affect where they are on my list. But you have three mm-hmm. I don't for sure. Okay. Wow. All right. Strong statement already. Thinking you know what's on my list. Well, I already know you're a fan of two of them, and I just assume you're probably a fan more. Overall, of the third. <laughs> well, we don't get not, to the third. I'll tell you what it is. Okay, he's not Armageddon, so I didn't put that on. I know, list. I know. Even though but, I love him. Um, yeah, there's a lot to perfect choose. in Armageddon. It wouldn't he be perfect in Armageddon. Like he, you just replace Billy Bob and Nicholas Cage. The same thing. The same thing. It's the same movie. Um, what if you replace Steve Buscemi? Even though I love Steve Buscemi, but when he goes Looney Tunes from Space Bends, if that yeah. was Cage going over the top, and he was just allowed to chew as much scenery as he wanted to, I don't know. Really? If it's young Nicolas Cage, absolutely. Uh, older Nicolas Cage, no way. Older Nicolas Cage goes, no, I got to play Bruce Willis. Well, no but way. you wouldn't put Ben Affleck in that that position today. You would recast it because he's too old and you'd switch him over to the Bruce True, Cole. true. So true. it's a whatever you want kind of thing. 
put Zach Efron in that role. I mean, essentially, it's the same thing at the time with Bay. But have we seen Efron do any kind of action like that? Well, Baywatch, maybe. But I don't know if that really counts, to be honest with you. Yeah. Do you really think of Efron as an action guy? I no, don't. I don't. I don't. He's a chiseled man who's probably at some point taken some sort of HGH and uh, has about less than 1% body fat uh, from That's that right Neighbors. Oh, yeah, Neighbors. I, I Trust me, I didn't seek out seeing him with his shirt off. I just <laughs> am without his shirt off, and you don't – it's, I, it's you know really difficult to get to that kind of cut. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, he talked about an interview a few months ago, and he said how he, he was like miserable, super miserable the whole time while he was in that shape because you really can't eat anything. You really and you just have to keep working out and stay. And it's the same food over and over again. It just drove him nuts. You know, he yeah. said. So yeah, I get it. It's not worth it unless you're in a fitness contest. It's not worth it. I don't see no. the point. No, um, you, you you do look great, but having worked my ass off, and you know, from being a, when I stopped drinking, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna start working out, and I worked out two to three days a week. Yeah, I'd work out for three hours. Um, yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. I did an hour to ninety minutes of lifting. Yeah, and a minimum of an hour on the treadmill. Wow. Yeah, wow. six to eight miles, sometimes ten. Right. Right. I got down, but I knew that if I wanted to get that last little bit, I was already cutting back because I was just kind of in the groove of doing it. And I was like, that's just too much. <laughs> I'm already doing a ton. And you know, you got to have these little things because otherwise yeah. I'm not really motivated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I was at the height of my cardio, I could do an hour at the gym cardio, but it would be four different machines. Like I'd start out on the treadmill. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, on the elliptical. Then move to the treadmill, then the bike, and then row at the end, and then go up and do weights. I never did cardio after weights. I always like to do cardio before. I did it. Did it because it was just easier and I'm already warmed up and all that jazz. Yeah, makes sense. So on that diet, it's like a high high protein, low carbohydrates. Yeah. Um, so it can like it can funnel its way through you pretty fucking quick. Yes. Me gassy at times. Uh, Super, like super gassy. They had hit spurts where it's just like, oh my god, all this protein, <laughs> fucking protein, man. Uh, and I was at the gym, and I was over uh, running on some treadmills, and the gym is empty. There is nobody there, and this woman comes in. It's one of those ones where there's uh, mirrors, yeah, two different walls, but the walls weren't the same uh, distance to the back. One came oh, out yeah. right, but in the the very corner, you could see like a half image of both of us type of thing. Like you'd see part of the reflection because of that. And I'm running. And she jumped in one treadmill gap, and there's like seven on her right, and there's oh. four or five on mine. One treadmill gap, and I'm running, and I'm at mile like three, four, and I let out a silent fart. But it, it, I knew it was bad. It's one of those you smell it, and you're like, oh shit. I slowly, I'm just looking out of the corner of my eye peripherally into the reflection to see when she actually gets hit with it. And I'm not kidding you. When it finally hits, you went, oh. <laughs> While she was running, she looked straight at me, and I'm like, in my, I gave this motion of, there's so many. I apologize, but there's so many others open. <laughs> like, I didn't say anything. I was just like, I got headphones in, so do you. But you could have chosen any of these. I apologize, but I'm not breaking stride to go fart somewhere and come back on. <laughs> 
I've been here for 35 minutes already. Or I was here first. I was here first. Yeah, you could have gone so far away. <laughs> I guess the, the, the urinal rule doesn't apply on treadmills for her. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with you, but then, but then again, you know, what it's like in those gyms, you like, once you know, which one is the right one for you, yeah. you like you constantly go back to the same one and you, you deal with it. Cause I'm, I'll do, I'd be super picky about ellipticals, man. Cause I can feel the drag uh, real quickly when uh, an elliptical is like, hasn't been toned, hasn't been what a, a tuned up. Calibrated. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Calibrated. Yes. Cause I'll start to go and I can tell that I'm ahead of the pedals. I'm like, Fuck this! So it's like it, at twenty four hour fitness was the worst. The one in West and uh, on uh, at Arc Light that was the worst because I'd have to go through a four or five before I'd find the right one, and then they kept moving them around so that you never like set you know like it wouldn't be the same really? one every time. So it was super frustrating, man. Super frustrating. Perhaps it was more so they didn't move it around. But just number five got calibrated last week. Oh yeah, maybe it's calibrated this week, and they it's just really possible. Have a rotation. So you're yeah, yeah, finding what was good that week. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, anyway, we're here to do Nick Cage. <laughs> uh, we well, convinced for a half hour there. We did, we did. Tell them how the show works, my man. Uh, once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top ten lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Them trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our, our personal top ten list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Uh, all right, man. Start us oh. off. I will jump right in. Ten for me is Moonstruck. Oh, good. I've ne- I've never seen it. I've never seen okay. it, so I can't put it on my list. I saw it uh, around the time it came out. Um, I want to say on VHS, like as soon as it was available on VHS. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking forward to it. I just know, oh, that was the new release, and that was one of the two, three that we picked up for that weekend type of thing. Mm-hmm. I totally saw it. Uh, it's young Nick Cage. The reason it's ten is I haven't seen it in such a long time, but I did see it a few times around that, and I always I liked it. Right. Because I don't have the three that you're going to have, this is kind of the of what's available. I, right. I have the, my most favorable opinion about this, but because uh, I could find distinct flaws in some of the others. Be like, oh yeah, but what about that part? Type of thing. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I, I like Moonstruck. You know, um, should you see it? I guess it's a it's a slightly more vulnerable and tender Nick Cage. Yeah, and it won the Oscar. Yeah, to be an 80s completist, I think I'd have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just see, because she did win the Oscar for it. She did. Yeah, true. Um, Step out of it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know how often I will go back to see it. I don't know if I'll ever seek it out again. But I do. I like a lot of his bad movies, but they're just, it's too flawed. Yeah. Put onto my list. Just like, yeah, look, I love this part a lot. And I love this part a lot, but like it drags through here, is boring as shit. But yeah. this entire thing doesn't make any sense. But these scenes are great. <laughs> He's got a bunch of those. Yeah. So Moonstruck is my ten. Okay. What's your nine? Nine is Joe. Oh man, yeah, that's one I haven't. Uh, it had okay. gotten some bad reviews, but it had gotten mostly good reviews. So I kind of hesitated, and I didn't see it. Um, and I probably should have because you know, in the years since. People have said how much they enjoy that movie. Um, yeah, it was, it's good. It's Nick Cage not like uh, playing like a broken type of individual. Uh, he's in, I think he's an ex-con and he works on some yeah, tree service, something or other. But Ty Sheridan wants to join up with him. His dad is abusive and whatnot. And he kind of steps in and is somewhat of a father figure to Ty Sheridan from uh, Ready Player One, for those that don't yeah. know. Um, and 
No, it's good. It's kind of like, uh, well, it exists in the same plane to me as Maggie, that Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, yeah. It didn't get a bunch of fanfare or like um, the Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, oh, son of a gun. I was never really here. I never, yeah, yeah. I was never really here. Yep. Yeah. That's a good film, man. It is a good film. Like, I don't think it's as good as that. That thing was really good. And Maggie yeah. is probably the lesser of all three. But it's interesting. It's a quieter, you know, piece, so to speak. Sure. So I think it's worth a watch. Okay. Back to you, not to them in general. I was trying to. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those smaller ones, right? It's like mud, right? It's, it came out and people. Mud is good. Yeah, right. And so he's like, okay, we got to give it a chance, you know, or what was the other one that McConaughey did? Killer Joe. A lot of people like that one too. So. Uh, did you I ever was... see Beach Bum? I haven't seen that yet. No, I, it's, I don't think I have any interest in seeing that, to be honest with you. Neither do I, but I heard from enough people of like it's. Surprising, like if it gets you, it gets you. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. If you buy into it, it's a good movie. Well, Martin Lawrence is in it, so maybe that makes it funny. I don't know, but maybe I don't know. We'll see. There's like a million movies I would put before that one, but I don't know. Knows, if I catch it sometime, maybe I'll watch it. Uh, all right, eight for me mm-hmm. is Matchstick Men. Oh, dude, that was the hardest cut right at the end. I chose another film over that one, but that's a great choice. It's uh, he plays a con man with Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away what happens, but uh, you know they're all con men, so it's not like it's a good thing, right? Type of you know that going into it, he's got a f- couple forms of like OCD. And he's got all these very specific ticks, and him and Sam Rockwell scam people out of money any which way they can. Like I want to assume like timeshare or insurance policies. I think they did a few different things, right? Right scammers and he's a broken you know mentally just with all these various uh you know maladies mm-hmm. that he carries with him uh, and it's, it's kind of sam rockwell also proving himself that he can hold his own on these more serious movies oh yeah yeah sure he always could but it just you know he would churned out a decent amount of work before people really most of the general public knew his name yeah yeah i'd agree with that so it just barely got cut? Yeah, right at the end. Right at the end. Uh, only because okay. I was going back and forth between two of the films. And I'm like, but there's some, I just want to champion this other film a little bit more. Um, and so I just, I felt like that's the one that I want to go with. You know, there's always, already, always weird reasons why our lists are the way they are. Our own particular reasons. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's, it was a cut right at the end for, but I like that movie. It's a good movie. And I think it's, um, who's the girl who plays Evan? It's not Evan. Rachel. I have to look it up. It's yeah. She's supposed to be his daughter. Yeah. I think it's the girl from drag me to hell. And I I can't remember the actress's name, but yeah. Allison Lohman. I think it's Allison Lohman. I think. We're about to find out as I sing my song, Allison Lohman. Boom. Still got it. Still got it. Got it. And they got plenty of time to study, so keep studying. Drink that fruit punch, man. Live it up. <laughs> Live, it, Live up. it up. Live it up. But yeah, good. It's a good film. It's a good di- a, a, a good script. Very interesting scenes. It's an unusual character for Cage to play. Uh, and the uh, the chemistry he has with Rockwell is really good. And the Alison Loman girl, uh, Alison Loman actress is the character rather as well. And what and the twists and turns that happen with their relationships too. So I like it. That's a good film. Uh, I think, no, Ridley Scott do that one. Did Ridley Scott do Magic Stickman? Who was the director of that one? I think it's a famous director. Yeah. 
Damn. All right. There it is. Uh, see, so it's stuck with Which me. is weird for this is not a Ridley Scott movie. No, not in any way, shape, or form, man. No. Um, all right. So then my number 10, which is the reason Matchstick Man didn't make it on, uh, is The Weatherman. Okay. Yeah. I like this movie a lot. It's one of these quiet, under-the-radar Nicolas Cage films that not a lot of people talk about. But it is one of the most um, real performances I've ever seen him deliver. He's a frustrated dad. He has an overweight daughter. He doesn't want to shame her, but he's worried about her because she's not like with the popular kids. And I think he was a popular kid. Uh, so he's okay. like trying to guide her into that. Uh, but then he's also suffering at his job and he keeps walking around with this weird uh, quiver and arrow, uh, a bow and arrow. Uh, situation and Michael Caine plays his dad, I think, and they have these really interesting conversations. But the whole film feels like it's shot in the winter, right? The whole time, and it's just mm-hmm. this kind of melancholy throughout. But it's a it's a languid film. It's a pace slow pace film. But I enjoy the performance of Nicolas Cage. I enjoy the director and what they were able to do with the film. Um, so it makes it one of the most interesting films I've ever seen him be in because he's not doing his Nicolas Cage things. He's very restrained um, yeah. and, and real. And you see him suffering as a father to this child because he can't figure out how to parent her, even though he really wants to, you know, and he's just kind of lost in his own shit because he's trying to figure out his own life at the same time. So I, I don't know. I just like the film a lot. For sure. Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen I, it, I, I, give it a chance. I have. A, it was on Showtime or Cinemax. Yeah. And I, I've seen it, but it's not, I've never been the whole way never through. Never been your champ. No, I just... I watched, I've seen the this 20 minutes and then that 45 and I've seen the whole thing, but right. I sat down to watch it because it was on. It was, yeah, it was, it was never my cup of tea. Yeah, fair. Gore Verbinski directed that one too. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Um, all right. So then my number nine is um, uh, Con Air. Yeah, not on my list. <laughs> one of the two locks that I knew, the third one I think is I just, chance. (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah. Listen, I wanted to put this one higher. Look, but we're talking about performances and movie, right? And I love Conair. Love it. I love Nick Cage in the movie. However, as I've gotten older, Conair has become cheesier and cheesier for me to watch. So I don't find as much enjoyment from the film as I used to. Um, So it's a shame. But so I had to move it down lower i mean it's a great name cameron poe is just a great damn name uh but uh it broke my heart that i couldn't put it higher because i mean i had to be honest with myself and it's as much as i enjoy the movie i'm not going to run out and buy this movie and and watch this movie over and over again uh but when it's on i'll watch a little bit of it but yeah it's it hasn't held up as strongly as i was hoping it would so that's what i would it's terrible (laughs) watching it now i thought it was okay in the theater because it was a summer movie i didn't really care right Watched it for a Thunderdome or a Blunderdome. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, what was that, like a year ago, a year and yeah. a half ago, I don't know, and watching oh. it, this is just terrible. This part doesn't make, I took notes. This part doesn't make sense. Why would this character do this? Why? Right. Even dumb stuff like the propane. Uh, oh, yeah. That's who throws away that many half full propane tanks? Ever. Ever. It gets emptied out or it's damaged and it can't hold gas anyway. There would not be a junkyard just yeah. full of half full propane tanks. And it was like, this movie is, I mean, the, the, they crash landed into Vegas and yeah. uh, 
they easily could have just drifted at the height they started at out into the desert because Vegas did not spread out that wide at that point. Nope. And I'm watching in the theater going, desert's right over there. Because <laughs> right over there. You do not have to take out buildings. And yeah, look, they probably killed a lot of people. Yes. Just to, just to stop these guys from escaping prison. I don't know if that makes sense. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. Right. But it's a guilty pleasure of mine. It's like I said, I certainly will watch it if it's on just because it's fun. And it's Simon West. People forget it. People think it's Bay. It's not Bay. It's Simon West who directed it. But like um, there's fun scenes and Buscemi's great. The little jokes they throw in, you know, what's the definition of irony? You know, sing along to a song from, uh, you know, a group that had uh, mem- oh, it's got the whole world dying a plane crash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got the whole world. Or the Leonard Skinner. That's what it was. Yeah, Leonard Skinner. Let's do a band. You know, so those little things like that. But it, now the stereotypes are pretty uncomfortable to watch. So, oh, it's, kinda, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is one dimensional. Yes, very there much so. There's no complexity or nuance to any of these characters. That being said, though, I do like uh, Malkovich as the villain. That's an unusual choice for a villain. Surely he was good in uh, in The Line of Fire, but he's more like, you know, one of those introvert, weird kind of villains. In this, he's very manly. He's very heterosexual villain. Uh, yeah. And Oh, not that, you know, I'm sorry. I'm trying. To, what am I trying to say? He's very masculine, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So he's a masculine villain. And it's kind of mm-hmm. rare to see that from uh, John Malkovich, to be honest. Now, he was good. Um, is Ving Rames one Rames. of his yeah, left dog, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were good. Yeah. See, Nick Cage's accent to me was just so on the the mullet, the you mullet know, rocket, just beautiful. I got you a bunny, and you're like, okay, this is. <laughs> Register deadly weapons. Okay. <laughs> sure, sure. When you're Jerry. in the military, that made you automatically. Like, <laughs> this seems a bit preposterous, but okay. <laughs> um, all right. Then my number eight is uh, Honeymoon in Vegas. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you haven't? Okay. You're not on your list? It, it's good, but yeah, I don't go back. I would watch these others. Oh, I love this movie, man. I love for him, for him, right? I know. The James Conn, Sarah Jessica Park, once again, in 2020, right, would we be okay with a movie about a guy who gambled his girlfriend away and she went with it and almost stayed with the guy? Uh, no, we wouldn't. But looking back at that time, I think it was, it was an innocent film, fun film, uh, and it kind of turned the indecent proposal thing on its head. Uh, and, and so I think it was making fun of that by doing that. Um, but I enjoyed the movie a lot. I enjoy him. He's so funny. And it's kind of a, a going back to that Nicolas Cage we first met in Raising Arizona a little bit where he's like out of sorts all the time. Everyone's getting the best of him. He doesn't know what he's doing. I love that line when he's on the phone. Is that Kapa'a or Kapa'a? And all this like making a joke about the names of the islands and how similar they can be if you don't really know about Hawaii. Um, Pat Morita is in this thing, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, right before she gets on to Sex in the City, James Conn, when he was kind of, in essence, making a little bit of a, a comeback and stuff. Yeah, so, a little bit. Yeah. So, and the, the Flying Elvis's Utah chapter, that shit is hilarious. Like, there's just so much about it that I still find very, very charming. And his performance is certainly one of them. Uh, you know, he's, he's a guy who can't commit to yeah. his girlfriend and almost loses her in the end and has to go through all kinds of crazy shit just to realize he does love her and want to be with her for the rest of her life. It's his life. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just don't, you know, I watch the other ones or, yeah, you know, maybe I like it more than Moonstruck. I don't know. I mean, it was 
mixed, but it's like, I've got a few of these where it's just, yeah, I like that one. I like yeah. that it, it, Not too strong an emotion. Right. I got it. All right. What's your number seven, man? Uh, my number seven uh, is because the part is so small. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I didn't put it on my list because it was so small. I was just like, ah, I get, I could, but I don't feel the part's big enough. Okay. Uh, but, but, dude, I'm not going to stop you from putting on this. Well, Nick Cage movies, he's in the movie. So, exactly. I, I give it to him because he pulls off the noir, does yeah. it with the voice. It's excellent. And B, that movie now is an all-timer for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is visually absolutely stunning and it's a great story and it's a reboot of spider-man without being a reboot of spider-man so to speak because you got yeah. instead good point uh you get the origin story but it's just his version of it mm-hmm. uh, kingpin looks amazing the his uncle who turns out to be a villain is fantastic and it's just right. the the colors and everything and the choreography that they have the kinetic energy that they've got through all this it's just mm-hmm. you're part of something that i on my list, that is a top ten superhero film, no question to me. I just don't know where it lands. Right. It's my favorite Spidey. <laughs> yeah, bar none. Um, so you have a voice in that. It's smaller. Uh, I think the highest he got in the original maybe was six, but I think it was always like seven. It was floating in and out, but I know that I prefer that movie so much more than these other three, and technically others on the list. Yeah, uh, but small part. Yeah, I totally get it. But no, he's great. I mean, the, the the lines he gets to say are so fun and to listen mm-hmm. to him talk in that 1940s talk. Uh, it's great. And, you know, if you want Nicolas Cage to come back and do a voice in a film, this is one of the ones to do it. Like, this is he just nails it so well. You know, and everybody does. All the people do it with their characters they do in that little mini spider yeah. crew. Um, but his is just, you just because you love Nicolas Cage so much, you're just so excited by what he was able to do with it, you know? Um yeah, that one in, in Spider Ham had the most potential for fun, and oh, they yeah. succeed. Um, yeah, yeah Spider Ham exists. Something from my childhood that I hadn't thought about in so long, and I was like, yeah. oh, God, "They're going to have Spider Ham in this." Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and uh, it totally worked. It totally works. Yeah. It made it work so perfectly. So <laughs> why it ends up as my seven? Yeah. All right. What's your six? My six is Lord of War. Oh, uh, that's a punt. Oh, yeah, that's a punch. Okay. We'll talk about that one. Definitely. Uh, my number seven, then it's because I'm a cheesy bastard. and I can't I can't deny that is the family man. OK, yeah, I'm sure it's not on, list. It's not on, list. Not on uh, my list. Yeah. Directed by Brett Ratner. But I enjoy this movie because once again, it's an unusual Nicolas Cage performance. Right. It's not played for laughs. It's not played for over the top shit. He's a he's a guy who's kind of a dick and he's rich and, sure. and essentially it's, it's a wonderful life type of situation in reverse. You know, what would happen if not that you didn't die, but you chose, you made another choice with your life. You know, what if he had run off with the blonde instead of staying with Mary, what would have happened? And it's a wonderful life. So with yeah. this, um, I, I love the fact that uh, this is, Taylor Leone is fantastic. They have really great chemistry. They have these, so he has to kind of like, adapt to this new world of his when he wakes up one day because John Cheadle, who's Don Cheadle, who's the angel gets him into this new world because he's way too much of a jerk and a, so, a self-involved sociopathic narcissist. And so he like, well, he wakes up one day and boom, he's uh, in a whole new world with Tay Leone. They're married, they have kids and he has to figure out what the hell is going on and navigate this world. But also he remembers his, his life before. So he kind of wants to, 
see if he can still have both, right? His cake and eat it too. Uh, and then when he realizes that he can't, um, that's when everything kind of changes. And then you go back to his other timeline and certain things happen. So uh, to me, I just really enjoy the film. It makes me smile every time. And I'm not, I don't really smile at Brett Ratner films. I'm not a big fan of him as a director. Yeah, but for either. whatever reason, I think he really got this one right for me, for my sensibilities. He sure. got this one right. And I enjoy his performance. I mean, Nicolas Cage is super fucking charming. Once he finally makes that switch to be the dad, um, he's so nice and sweet and cool and vulnerable and caring. You're just like, yeah, these are, these are the rare qualities I get to see in a Nicolas Cage movie. So uh, I put it up there uh, that high because I really enjoy his performance in it. Uh, all right. What do you got next? <laughs> all right. My number six. I got another dad. So. <laughs> my number six then is uh, the first national treasure. Okay, I, I put it on. I wanted to, but I went back and rewatched it not too long ago, and it's just, it's too paint by numbers on some level because okay. he so seamlessly manages to tackle like six puzzles that are all of varying degrees of difficulty. Right. Um, so it's fun. It's really good. And also the second one being terrible for me. Kind of hurts my enjoyment of the first one. I can understand that. I think I only saw Book of Secrets once, so I've kind of like you know phased it out of my brain. I like the first one. I think it's fun. I like Cartel in this thing. I like the rip roaring adventure of it all. I like that he's you know like it's educational to a degree about our history. Um, kind of, yeah, yeah, right, kind of. But but I just like it's an it's an unusual action film that has a little bit of education or knowledge or intelligence behind it. So I like that. But I get what you're saying, the paint-by-numbers thing. It can feel that way. Certain beats are there, like, yeah. oh, of course they're going to escape. Oh, of course, right in the nick of time, this happens. Yeah, I get that. But he's good in the film. I like him in the he film. Is. You know? He is. I just yeah. think it had been more like uh, Da Vinci Code, where it's one thing, and they have to figure out what that one thing is, as uh, opposed to it's one overall. Right. So many steps in between that after a while, it's just like, okay, this is completely complete suspension of disbelief, and I'm just here to have a good time. Right. right. You know, I did. I just, I, you see the bones of it and you're like, that could, that could be an excellent Indiana Jones without doing an Indiana Jones. You know? Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, all right. Well, um, before we jump into our fives. Yes. We should take a quick break and uh, hear from our sponsors. For those of you who are going to listen, who are listening to us on the podcast feed, you will hear our sponsors or a sponsorship message uh, from our sponsors that we recorded. And uh, we'll be right back after this. All right, and we're back. Thought I'd put it in this time. Very professional. I appreciate that. You know, I gotta get music under it. I gotta get music under it. But uh, there it is. Uh, so let's. What do you back. want? We huh? might be able to find a free clip and just cut it down to five oh, seconds. I was just going to use our regular music, but if we can do other things, that's fine too. I'm down with a. Uh, well, free- well, I was thinking of something like like somebody just shredding an arpeggio up super high, and it just comes right back for no reason. I like it. Um, thank you thank you exactly. thank you good night all right back to the show all right so yeah. my five mm-hmm. we're getting into and thanks to our sponsors we appreciate that mm-hmm. and at number five i've got one that's probably not gonna be on your list guarding tess oh the shirley mclean one no that uh-huh. is not on my list but dude take it I away love that movie yeah i love that movie uh and when i you know went through his uh imdb it is not well rated it doesn't make sense look it's not yeah. true win an Oscar or anything, just trying to make a heartfelt, enjoyable movie. And the chemistry between him and Shirley MacLaine is dynamite. They are fantastic together. I wish they did more stuff. Um, 
that's mostly, I guess, on Shirley not getting the, the offer the roles or whatever the case is. Yeah, yeah. At the time. Uh, but that, so she is a former first lady and he is part of the secret service that is assigned to her detail and she runs off almost all of them. Everybody lives in fear of her because I don't know, she's just demanding at, at all times. And he pierces the veil and sees the real individual and protects her unconditionally, not as part of the job, as a form of love on some level. Yeah. They're not in love, but there is a genuine bond and kinship between the two of them by the end of the movie. And for him and her to pull that off, I wish they had just gotten more opportunities to do it together because I believed it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a very sweet film. I enjoyed it for what it was, you know, but it, it seemed run of the mill for me. Like you said about National Treasure, I felt the way about this movie. It's like, okay, yeah. yep, you see the beats coming, uh, but they're both such professional actors that you go along with it because they have the charm to pull it off. And you're right, the chemistry as well to pull it because she's, you know, she's no nonsense. And that's Shirley MacLaine to a T. Uh, mm-hmm. So it like to have Nicolas Cage play off of that at a time before he moves on to the more serious Nicolas Cage, it was the perfect time to be in a movie like this for him as an actor and the age he was at as a man sure. as well. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good little film for sure. And to be second build, I would guess. Yeah, I think so. Not have a real problem with it because yeah, get top billing. She's royalty. Man. Yeah, exactly. she is. She's been around in cinema for you know, five, six, or five decades at that point. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, cool. Super impressive. But I've seen it surprisingly more times once I was going through and write out all the potential options. Like I've seen Garden Tess a weird number of times. <laughs> I've never sought it out except for about two years ago. I felt like seeing it because I'd seen it so many times just on. Yeah. And whenever it was on, I would happily watch it. I didn't see it in the theater. Yeah. So you know, post fact, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Soft spot. It, trust me. It surprised me. It's like top five, but for Nick Cage. Yeah. It's top five for me. Yeah. It's what's fun of the show. It's, it's a fun part of the show, man. Um, all right. My number five then is uh, Mandy. Okay. That's another of the locks of the year. Oh, that you didn't see? No, no, I. Oh, you saw it before. I've seen. I saw the first forty minutes. And then oh, you floated this idea, so I was like, you know what? I'll start it at the forty-minute mark where the, she gets stung. Mm-hmm. That's where I stopped, and I was like, this movie is so boring to me. <laughs> and everybody, you included, and all our fans were like, oh, that's when it gets good. <laughs> we're doing this show. I started it right when she gets stung. Uh- it's- 30 minutes until Heath gets going. And I'm like, this fucking movie. So I made it to with 25 minutes left or 20 minutes left. And I was like, okay. I'm out of my skull. I turned it off. No. All right. Fair enough. All right. I'm not gonna yeah. fight. Movies are subjective. You know, it just didn't work for you. For me, I love it. I, you know, I've seen it like five times now. I bought the Blu-ray. Wow. It's such a fucking trippy ass movie, man. I just enjoy the hell out of it for that. Um, I like the visuals, the cinematography, the colors, the vibrancy in the darkness of the movie. Uh, I like that you have no idea what the hell is going on. And then as it's going along, you're starting to figure out this is a fucking revenge movie. Holy shit. And then, uh, you know, because initially you think, oh, it's just going to be like, you know, they're attacked and they got to fight them off like the strangers or whatever those yeah. films are. Um, but this is something completely different. 
and it's so weird and you know it's a cult that kidnaps his wife and then what happens to her and it's so brutal what happens to her so his revenge has to be like even more insane and his scene in the bathroom when he's drinking the liquor and processing her death and processing the experience and everything it's so incredible as an acting exercise to see him go through all those different emotions all at once and the mania of it all and then and then eventually snap back into place because he knows he's got to go get revenge so he starts to uh, go down that path uh and all the weird places he ends up and the near miss near death misses and everything it's just to me it's fantastic it's a very moody atmospheric film that uh i i hope there's maybe a sequel one day but probably not but i I like this director and i like i like the movie a lot a lot you're not alone yeah one of his best rated movies yeah yeah true very true um all right what's your number four uh four is adaptation uh all right slight punt to three that's my three okay so yeah i will might as well talk about it now if you do your four and i'll do my three um yeah, it's, you know, to see him pull off two characters at once. Yeah. And it's a meta movie about the process of writing a script. Mm-hmm. I was also kind of experiencing part of that script when they do the code at the end, when it's just kind of the deal is being done here in Los Angeles. The surreal nature of the movie overall kind of slowly sets in a little bit. I've gone back to rewatch it a couple of different times. Yeah. But it pulls off two distinct different characters. Um, and it's really believable. Yeah, it is. Even when the scenes, when they're having conversations with each other, you're just like, mm-hmm. you're trying to find like where it looks like they're not looking at each other. Cause then you could tell there was a stand in there, blah, blah, blah. And it never happens. It never happens. It, it feels so seamless, so organic. And you completely believe that both of these guys are in that room, have two completely different personalities uh, and are legitimately having a conversation with each other about what they're talking about. Like it's legitimate. It feels real. It feels like you're watching it. It feels like they're there. And I love that. And as it goes along and they kind of separate on their paths uh, when they do come together to have uh, further conversations, you absolutely feel like you're watching two distinctly different people being acted by the same person. It's phenomenal. It is. It's phenomenal. It's the the Winklevoss twins, but better. <laughs> yeah, right. That's another one. That's it's nothing against Army Hammer. Just they're so very similar. Yeah, and he still pulls off both. Uh, it's you know great movie magic right there. Yeah, it's two distinct individuals coexisting, and you're not going Eddie Murphy style and putting on a bunch of prosthesis and stuff mm-hmm. or prosthetics. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to do. So, man, every once again, it's like Nick Cage does this. And then it goes back to needing a paycheck, I guess, or whatever the case is. Got another T-Rex head to buy. Yeah. Makes movies where I, perhaps it's just I want to continue to work and I don't care. Yeah. I don't know. I think he just likes to work. He's just one of these guys that likes to work. Um, maybe if he sits too long, sits still for too long, bad shit happens. You know, whenever he's not working is when you hear about him trying to buy the skull of the elephant man or trying to buy, you know, trying to sell off his comics or trying to buy weird shit. You that's when he, when he's not working is when I think he gives into his vices a little bit more because he makes money. It's Nicholas yeah. Cage. That name still carries weight in this town. Uh, so he can demand a quote, he can demand payment, you know, and so, or certain level of payment rather. 
So, you know, why not? It's, it's, uh, maybe he feels that, like if I just keep working, you know, he's just a blue collar boy constantly trying to prove himself. Yeah, I sure. don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting situation. Um, all right. Then my number four is uh, Lord of War. Be a punt for okay. I remember, I said, I didn't see this one in the theater. I saw this one when I was way back when in the early 2000s when I was doing DVD testing. This was one of those films that like we got a lot of editions of for whatever reason, maybe because it's a global film because it occurs, you know, not in America. Mostly it's mostly out of the country. So you're watching uh, this movie like progress from place to place. Sorry, I'm yawning. And it was so Interesting to watch him play this role. Once again, an unusual role for Nicolas Cage to play. He's got to kind of like, you know, connect with his brother, Jared Leto, who's a complete uh, lost soul. But you can tell he loves his brother a lot. And he thinks if they become successful doing this, because he's uh, Nicolas Cage's character, he's a go-getter. He's an alpha dog. He likes to get involved in these situations, make the money, take the chances. He thinks he can save his brother by like making sure this brother never has to worry about anything like he's taken care of. Uh, but then the film like explores this idea of these African warlords or, uh, oh, yeah. you know, buying uh, weapons from other people while those people claim they're not selling weapons because they're using middlemen. It's all uh, an interestingly dense, complex yeah. uh, movie that has something powerful to say about this idea of um, how we supply or indirectly supply some of these uh, rebel forces or, uh, you know, military yeah. forces to overthrow the governments. But to see a over the top, but to see an international arms dealer. Mm. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah. One of those jobs you hear somebody gets popped for being an arms dealer or they're suspected of being an arms dealer. It's like, how yeah. in the world do you get into that? Especially when they're not uh, part of a specific military and it's yeah. within the country and you started there type of thing. Yeah. But the, you know, when the Soviet Union collapsed, I remember reading those stories. Oh, hey, X number of these types of missiles disappeared. <laughs> and you're like, what does that mean? Right. Or we can't find three million Kalishnikovs. Yeah. We can't find three million Kalishnikovs. <laughs> they're just gone. So what that's underreporting, too. That's what they're admitting. Right. right. Now, right. knowing this all these years later, and just like, how much? What got sold? Did anybody buy a submarine? Like, there's there's a good documentary about somebody that tries to buy a submarine. Whoa, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Wow. Okay. It's that I was hoping it would be better. It's good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's nuts. So to see that and Nick Cage, yeah, it makes sense. It's cold. It's calculating, especially with the Jared Leto twist of uh, not taking retribution for right. like easily sent other people off the deep end. Yeah. 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 An eye for an eye situation. He understood that if he's going to live in this world, that's what the, is required of him at this world. Yeah. And it's an interesting director. Andrew Nichol directed this one who did Truman Show, um, Gattaca. Um, Two movies I'm not really a fan of. Right, right. Simone, that weird Pacino one with the AI okay. girl. Yeah, yeah, I never saw it. I remember the trailer and the right. posters and whatnot. That looked terrible. Yeah. Um, and then in time, which is that, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Justin that Timberlake one, yeah, yeah, and then it's the, mediocre, right? Then the host, which is that, uh, one based on the woman who wrote the, the Twilight books, and then something called Anon, which I've never 
heard about. So it's like it, it, he's not. I think Lord of War was the only good film he's ever done. To be honest with you, um, for, yeah, and for if you're not a fan of Truman Show, then he's yeah, got, right. Well, in my I guess, opinion. Yeah, I mean Truman Show is good. I don't think Truman Show is as good as people make it out to be, but I think it's good. Yeah, uh, didn't didn't care for it at the time. It's not like I dislike it. It just right. people that are like, oh, it's you know, it's great. Truman Show is amazing. I don't understand how you can come to that conclusion. You're confusing me. I don't. Well, I don't see how you get so enwrapped with this character because yeah. it, it was at a distance the whole time. So I didn't fall for the story or anything. Yeah, I agree with you. It is at a distance, and I think that's Carrie. Like in like Eternal Sunshine is the only one where I watched a movie of his where he was playing that kind of character where I connected to it. Every other one is like I'm watching a a, a good actor or a very funny comedian, you know, kind of live in this world. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, I don't 100 percent buy him in that uh, as Truman. Not 100 percent. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I think Lord of War is the best one Nichols ever done. It's 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 a really tight script. It's got something mm-hmm. to say. The twists and turns uh, are difficult to watch. Um, I can't remember who plays the girl. Do you remember who plays the girl in that movie? No. God, I can't. Them, and then the guy who plays the warlord was on Oz as right. well. Right. Right. Um, those are the three that stand out. No, yeah. he's not Adabisi. He's the oh, right, the Muslim guy, Nation of Islam guy. Yeah, that comes in after there's like he kind of takes over theirs and becomes a force within. Yeah, really believable. Right. Oz was so good about that in the first few seasons. Introduce somebody, and you're like, I believe it. I believe it. It got yeah. more. Ridiculous as time went on. Well, Oz was fantastic. Yeah, I agree with you, dude. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, right at the beginning. Oh, Bridget Moynihan. Bridget Moynihan's the woman in the film. God, I forget that. Ian Ethan Hawke's in this thing, too. Damn. Oh, he plays the FBI or, yeah. or yeah. Interpol agent or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, He pops up in the weirdest places, man. Um. All right. So where are we at? You're number three, I think. Yeah, my three, uh, Leaving Las Vegas. All right. That's my number two. So, okay. yeah. It's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal, man. It's That's brutal. why I couldn't put it number one, dude. It's too brutal. It's too. It brutal. is. That's why it's three. It's just like you know, it's it's akin to Requiem. I've seen yeah. it more than once, but I have seen it and I know the beats of it. It'd be one of those movies that sticks with you. Yep. For all the best and worst reasons, but I'm I'm happy that I've you know seen something like that. Yeah. Because um, you don't get to see self destruction on that level up close and kind of live it. And it so real when she gives him the flask. And for his birthday, and the just the the unspoken dialogue between the two of them, right? Is next level. They, it's it's a, I mean, it's just brutal. He knows he's actively trying to kill himself. Right. She's prostitute in Los Angeles. She doesn't like this, but sadly, this is probably the healthiest relationship she's had. <laughs> yeah, he had to guess for a long time, and this guy's actively trying to kill himself. Right, I feel terrible for both of them. And it's in that moment when she gives him the flask that she, she, he goes, finally, she gets it. Yep. Like, finally, she, yeah. we're, we can be yeah. together now fully. Cause exactly. She yeah. Exactly. A woman that, you know, you understand my needs. Right. Because I'm not going back. Uh-uh. You can't I, save me. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Sorry. I just said, you can't save me. I was. Yeah. I think it's the, I think it's one of the most uh, interesting films to go back and watch now in retrospect because it's, an, it's a 90s film. Like, it's a what, late 90s film. Um, and you're watching this thing, and you're like, "Wow, you know, it's what year is that? I want to say that's like 2002. 2002. Is it? Oh, I thought it was 95 or 98. But let me look. Take a look. Might as well, because this is. Oh, you're right. 1995. 95. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Man, it's 2002 in my head. Um, yeah, it's because it's such an interesting move. Mike, I think Mike Figgis directed this one, and it's 
you've got like, what can I say? It It's such an unusual film about alcoholism, right? Because the character legitimately does not want to be redeemed. And yeah. there is no arc for Nicolas Cage in this movie other than, you know, he falls in love with her, but there is no arc, right? He doesn't fall in love with her and like, oh, I can find love or I can be saved. Right? No, he's no. done. To him, he's done and there's no changing his mind. And he is the immovable object just pounding forward uh, through anything that comes in its way until it reaches its ultimate destination, which is destruction. Um, whereas other alcoholic films, it's always about, you know, like trying to save them, like The Lost Weekend or all these other Days of Wine and Roses, like these other alcoholic films. Usually the protagonist is trying to fight against this disease and everyone's trying to help him to fight against this disease. And in the end, uh, they do usually figure it out and get out of it. But this one is all the way to the end, mm-hmm. committed committed and i there's almost a strange kind of respect to that because there is no waffling there is no waffling. oh yeah exactly you made a choice Mm. because you're asking the character to make this choice you can't violate it and the fact that they stuck with it i mean they're oscar bait and everybody knew it and deserved yeah Um, absolutely it's a movie that comes out a specific time you know the the budget is cheap so the box office doesn't have to be huge right it's made for a purpose of this is a story that has not been explored like this, and we should. This is cathartic for all of us because now, you know, like rock bands are way less prone to getting addicted to heroin and other things because they've heard so many stories over the it's years true. of guys destroying their lives and losing. Now, you can still – some of them still succumb to it. Some people yeah. like to party, and other people just find ways to, to go exist with it. But it is less rampant than it once was because everybody now has seen the, yeah. the collateral damage of that lifestyle. Yeah. It's a very good point. It's a very to live point. someone killing themselves knowingly on alcohol. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing now when you watch athletes, bro. It's rare when you see that athlete that pisses away millions and millions of dollars. And when now they all come in, they've got like financial advisors. They've got mm-hmm. people who are on top of them. And they're not running off partying all night. They're like, they, they've got like everyone's got their workout regimen. They've got a trainer. They've got a chef. It's yeah. all really – It's and that's all the lessons from the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, same thing here. Well, and now understanding, because the pop culture nature aspect of these yeah. sports has grown to such a degree that you can be remembered for a long time. So you have double motivation on top of the success on the field and everything. You're thinking about your legacy, and there's a very concrete and palpable one that yeah. you can lay the ground for. And so there's so many brands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so that was my two. Uh, so what's your two? Uh, my number two is uh, The Rock. Yeah, that's not on my list. Go ahead, knock yourself. Oh, out. dude, are you serious? That's yeah, not my. I just for whatever reason I don't like that. I just, I just I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, dude, it's so awful that it's that's true. <laughs> it, it's so it's so over the top. Every character is completely over the top. This is Michael Bay when I actually thoroughly enjoy Michael Bay, and it's okay. the other time that stupid Lamborghini through San Francisco is down. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. The whole film is dumb. Dumb, dumb, It's dumb. dumb. It's not dumb fun. It's just dumb. And so I can't enjoy it. The the terrible line that is so successfully pulled off when, like, Sean Connery's like, welcome to The Rock. (laughs) That is awesome. It's it's so bad. It's great. If this was top ten Sean Connery films, I might consider it because Connery is the lead and he's badass in this. Cage is his oh. simpering assistant throughout the whole. We, we can't be doing no, no, that. He, he's so Godspeed. He, well, he's not used to being on the field, but when it comes to the VX poison gas, 
he fully understands the locality yeah. and how much respect it needs. And that's when he can dial in and tell people to shut up or you need to give me the space because I know how to do this. Right. Which technically is the most dangerous thing that anybody's doing. So back off <laughs> while I mess with these little orbs that will melt us alive. Yeah. So don't mess with me right now. Um, in those, his growth, maturation, the idea that Sean Connery has the real hidden film for the JFK assassination yeah, yeah, yeah. attack on at the end is why he's a spy that's been in an unmarked cell and there's no record of him of all time. The most ridiculous reason ever. It's man. It is great. My favorite is the sequence of the furnace firing because it's very specific and oh, yeah. roll underneath and then turn it off. It's like galaxy quest. When Sigourney Weaver is like, why is it ever designed like this? <laughs> you know, the rock, which is supposed to be this, somewhat serious movie they do it it's awesome it is awesome yeah yeah i can't explain it bro i can't i've tried to watch this i've watched this movie like five or six times and i'm like i love michael bay and i love michael bay at this time more than any other time uh when he was making these movies around this the late 90s and i just for whatever reason it's i just is never connected with me and i love nicholas Cage. i love sean Connery. i cannot explain why it doesn't connect with me but it doesn't feel so so good Dumb. Ed Harris and you got like such a huge right. cast of all these random. Yeah. Just some continue to work and there's a couple one offs which is like a, a Candyman. I think he was one of them. Oh, Tony Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there was his. It was, it was him, Tony Todd, and another dude. They were kind of always in the same team together. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen him in anything else. He played just an asshole. Right. Right. Uh, but you yeah, younger redhead the, kid with the military cut. You've seen him a couple times and things. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, for the most part, that's what. But Harris well, is David good. Morse. Yeah, David Morse. Oh, David Morse is such a good actor, man. I like. He is. And it's got a good cast, man. It does. It does. That's what I tell you. I can't explain it. I have tried to watch it multiple times. It just basically does everything for me. This is my Armageddon. <laughs> I'll fight for this because to me, once it gets into it, it's a lot of fun. It knows precisely what it is. <laughs> any stuff up top is really dumb. They could cut that and put anything else. It has no real impact outside of meeting a couple characters. Very true. Well, I mean, I'm never going to fight you if you, if you have your yeah. Armageddon. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> so I respect that completely. Um, all right. Well, I guess it, is our number one's the same, hopefully. I don't know. I don't, all right. Um, my number one is Raising Arizona. That's my number one, Raising Arizona. Hell yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. I thought you might have face off too. No, hell no. Are you kidding? That movie is. I told you, I got two locks and I got a third that I think, because overall, my guess was, do you like it 60%, 65%? Yeah, no. So no, face off is garbage. It's garbage. It's garbage. When I watch in the theater, it's garbage now. But it's, it's, it's the worst. It's kitschy. So there's like scenes you can enjoy, but overall, Okay. Can Travolta, the face thing on the family is the dumbest advice I've ever seen. Ever yeah. seen. What family does that? Here, let me put my gross palm on the side of your face and just rake it down. I hope you get some germs there, buddy. So, social distancing, man. Social. Not in this family. We share all germs. Let me wipe my ass first. Just rub that <laughs> right across your mouth. Make sure you inhale some of that. Oh, my God. Pink eye, bitch. Woof. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, 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 um, I didn't know. There's no way. I mean, it's such a terrible, terrible movie. No disrespect to John Woo. It's cheesy, but it does not belong in the top 10 of Nicolas Cage films. Um, yeah, I mean, Raising Arizona, it is not aged for me. Every single time I watch it, I am just laughing my ass off throughout it, marveling at the authenticity of these characters. And yes, are they played a little bit? Do they veer into caricature at times? Sure. But I grew up around these motherfuckers in Virginia. I know exactly who these people are that they're showing you in the film. And I was just like, oh, my, this, yes, you're playing it for laughs, but it's not 100% unbelievable what's happening oh, and no. their relationships. Yeah. No, no, I got, I lived in West Virginia for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I've got family from all over the South <laughs> been in all kinds of neighborhoods and uh, they're all very real. Yeah. <laughs> very real. So to see that, plus, the nice thing about it now, like looking back, so this is one of the few movies that my dad took me, my brother and sister to. Oh, cool. Out, and I was, what year would this be? 1990? This one? No, it's 84. Yeah. Is it really? It's, it's, yeah, it's an old movie, bro. There's no way. Yeah, dude. It's like 84, 85. 87. 87, okay. Woo-hoo. No, it's both the difference between the two of us. Uh, <laughs> True. Yeah, I was eight. And saw this gotcha. and I enjoyed it. And then I saw it four or five years later and I enjoyed it even more because there's more for, as you kind of grow up and mature with it. Oh, totally. Now looking back and seeing the breadth of the Coen's work, it's just this little gem of modern slapstick and a lot of different scenes and they pull yeah. it off just beautifully. To, uh, to me, it's their reservoir dogs of their, uh, of their uh, uh, resume. It's this one that can't be touched it's going to be timeless. People will always discover it and fall in love with it. Uh, and yes, it's not as great as their future work because they're not as mature as filmmakers at this time, but it is so damn good. And it, it is, is. Such, like you said, a jewel. It's absolutely a jewel uh, of a film. Well, because they're not making a meat and potatoes. This is, they're taking swings. Yeah. And you know what? They're pulling it off. I mean, that's where I fell in love with John Goodman. Yeah. Right. As a kid. And then Roseanne, I think, was shortly thereafter, maybe just right, like a couple seasons in. I wasn't really watching all that much. Yeah. I never really cared for Roseanne. Yeah. Not my cup of tea either. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I always love, just like everybody else, I've always loved John Goodman. But yeah. Yeah. Him and uh, the other gentleman that plays his brother. Yeah. William. I was getting confused with William Fickner because it's not him, but it's William something. And I can't remember what. William Forsyth. William Forsyth. Forsyth. Yeah, William Forsyth. Okay. In my head, I was like, William Atherton? No, it's not Atherton. Um, uh, Forsyth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just so good. Playing idiots. He falls in love with the baby. Just starts blubbering over this baby. The slapstick of, of initially Nick Cage getting the kids, and they're like oh. running around. And yeah. the are downstairs looking up every once again when he's making all this noise. Yeah. Hunter is fantastic in it. And then the former football player that plays the, uh, the biker. Yeah, right. Tex Cobb. Yeah. Tex Cobb. There you go. Words spoken, but he's just got the bronze baby shoes. <laughs> so he just hunts down baby baby stealers, I guess. I, I don't know. Well, the rumor the rumor is because he has a Woody Woodpecker tattoo and, and Nicolas Cage has one, that they were either from the same orphanage or they were brothers. They oh. Got, they got adopted by different families. So that's the rumor there around that, which is what the golden boots are, the baby boots are his baby boots and he's looking for his brother 
And the irony wow. is that all that backstory. Yeah, I mean, I, I did some research on this because I was like, "What is going on?" Because, dude, I love this movie. I've seen it like a million times. And I'm like, cool. "What is what is happening here? Like, what is the why? Why do they take a moment to like compare tattoos that are the exact same tattoos?" Uh, so there's like more going on behind the scenes of this relationship, which is when he pulls the pin and he's lying there and he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." I think he realizes who the guy might be. And so his apology is more than just "I'm sorry for killing you." It's "I'm sorry that you're, we're ha- we have to have this fight, and I have to kill you to survive." You know, so that's what I think. Might have to watch that again with that perspective now. <laughs> it's an excuse to watch it. I have zero problem with that. Yeah. I love that I was filming because they have some of the best catalog for that. It's just like, oh, I haven't seen Miller's Crossing in a while. I haven't oh. seen Think in a while. I haven't, seen, you know, just you could do that repetitively. Yeah. Miller's is so fucking good, man. Miller's it is. It's excellent. Uh, Holly Hunter is fantastic in the movie as well. You know, when she, I mean, going from police uh, cop to like, you know, a police person rather to. Uh, She's a um, prison. She worked at the prison, didn't she? As a photographer. Oh, sorry. Yeah, she was at the prison. I thought it was the prison. She's a guard, right? She's a guard at the prison. Yeah. Right, right. Taking the photos. And there's like the one time she's crying. <laughs> he consoles her and. You tell him. This guy. Yeah. He's a, he called find me. Turn of the rat. Oh, my God. This is brilliant. It's so brilliant. Uh, I, just, I yeah. love it. It's so quotable. And then the two dude. I mean, the couple that comes in. As in too snobby. Sm- yeah. <laughs> just strutting around in Arizona like he's just kink shit. It's great. He's peacocking the whole time. Uh, those white one of those that guys because he played, in essence, that character in so many different movies. He was so right. He's in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, he plays uh, yeah. what's his face as a co worker, Chevy Chase's co worker. So, yeah, it's least douchey of all his characters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. Francis, McDorm- Francis McDormand is almost unrecognizable as that dude's wife in this movie. Yeah. So, well, it's, it's such a small part. It is. It is. It is. They float in and out pretty quickly. Dude, when she tries to fucking blackmail them, I was like, oh, you, you're a dirty, dirty person, man. Well, everybody's out for their own. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, there's two cousins or whatever they are. Yeah. They come after them. But but at the end, though, it's a very sweet movie because at the end, you know, you know the, Nicolas Cage and Hollywood, he's like telling the dad, like, you know, we're, we're probably not going to make it. We're probably going to break up or do what he's like. I don't know much, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he goes, I know when two people, if you guys work this hard, there must be somewhere saving. And it's such a great, sweet, honest no bullshit exchange that I think it saves the movie from veering into too much of a insane caricature slapstick comedy. And it's like, it's got real heart all the way through it, you know? And I appreciate that uh, for that film. That's why I love it. It's got to have that little extra heart, you know? It's, it's an all timer guys. (laughs) (laughs) He's got two for me. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let me add in the spider verse. Um, All right. So using All right. Well, I would say leaving Las Vegas is two then. Yeah. Okay. What's um, your two, my three? My two is leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So that makes it two overall then. Right. My three is adaptation. That's my four. So we. Okay. Um. Lord of War is your four? Yeah. My six. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I put the rocket four? 
Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people love that movie. That's fine. Right, the Lord of War. Um, and then we don't have anything else in common. I don't think we do. No. Here we go. So my five is guarding Tess. My five is Mandy. I guess. Look, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I. That's my only. Because I've seen it and I thought it was okay, and you saw Mandy and didn't like it, it shouldn't go up there. But Mandy is such a great film. Oh, fine. I know I'm in the minority. If you go look at it, I'm just saying. And critics all liked it. I'm so bored. I don't understand. It's just I'll let you choose what you feel you can live with and look yourself in the mirror with the next morning. So. Yeah, carding test, not a problem. Yeah, I swear to God. I swear to God. Uh, let's see. I've got my seven. I've got my six. National Treasure. National Treasure it is. Boom. Uh, my, my next then is uh, Spider, Spider-Man. My, se- my seven is The Family Man. How much? How many slots do we have left? Two. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, look, people get mad if you Spider Verse at ten, so you can put Spider Verse there at nine. I'm taking the Family Man at ten. Done. Hot Air didn't make it, son of a bitch. We're gonna get so much. Shit. Boom! Yes, I should have ranked it higher. I should have. In all good consciousness, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Uh, I respect the show. All right, are we ready? Yeah, go for it. The top 10 Nicolas Cage movies, yeah. At number 10. Family Man. At number 9. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. At number 8. National Treasure. At number 7. Mandy. At number 6. Guarding Tess. At number 5. Mode of War. At number 4. The Rock. At number three. Adaptation. Nice. At number two. Leaving Las Vegas. And our number one Nicolas Cage movie is. Raising Arizona. Hell yeah. The only real choice. Let's be perfect. I I agree with you a thousand percent. That's the only real choice. Uh, It's Uh too good a movie to deny. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's our that's our official the top ten list of the top ten Nicolas Cage movies. I'm sure there's some wanted to get higher or you wanted us to talk about. So let us know on social media. Let us know uh, on the Facebook comment. I mean, sorry, on the YouTube comments uh, on the YouTube page uh, to our show. Uh, so, uh, but thank you very much for downloading and, and listening to us. Yes, sir, Bobbio. If you would like to uh, support us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the top ten with the number ten. Um, but if not, you just want to listen, please listen. Let us know on all the stuff that uh, John mentioned at Top Ten Show on Twitter or me at Matt Nost. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. It's great every week. And now we're getting like little screenshots from the video and people yeah. are captioning and all that stuff. And it's great to see every time. I've thanked the people that have done it. Uh, I've seen two or three, I think, yeah. different individuals. Uh, it's fun. It's like, oh, what's going on in this moment? I don't know. I don't remember all the faces I made. So I'm looking at it going, when did that happen? <laughs> together? I can't. What was I doing? I don't remember that specific moment. I'm just like, why do I look so tired? Shit. Well, <laughs> thankfully, neither of us looks old. You know what I mean? Prime uh, that's a good, good point. Prime Very good point. Time, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, check out my other podcast, Embrace the Hate. Uh, we should be coming back soon. My buddy, uh, having had a second kid, but now he's been home for a little bit while, a little while. So I'm sure he wants to get back to doing normal routine stuff. Um, so yeah, check me out there. And uh, that's it for me this week. 
Awesome. You can find me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, please uh, come subscribe to the, my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash John Roka says come and sign up all the fun stuff going on over there and uh, sign up to our YouTube channel, the top 10. There's a top 10 YouTube channel. Come and find us. It's our logo uh, there. You'll see it in that little circle thing. When you're looking up uh, channels on YouTube, you'll see us there. All our, no, no, uh, our main show is up there for you to watch on camera. Uh, if you want to watch our faces countdown, we drop it every Tuesday for y'all to enjoy. So we are there. So go and subscribe there so we can start monetizing that channel as well. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun for us. Um, all right. That's it. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Uh, social distance. Uh, do all the safe things you need to do for yourself uh, so that we can have you back joining us uh, for future episodes of the Top 10 Show. All right. Take care, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Adios.